Welcome to the Texas Trailhead Podcast. I started hiking to help with my health, both mental and physical. And now I'm encouraging y'all to get out and enjoy the trails, the outdoors, camping, all that stuff that Texas and beyond has to offer. So join me, Danny Laurel, as I'm sharing stories from myself and others who enjoy the outdoors as well. So grab your backpack, put on your hiking shoes, and let's go on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead. I'm Danny Laurel, and this is the Texas Trailhead. This week, I'm speaking with Dr. Sonia Lucas. Originally from Oklahoma City, she's now a physical therapist in Austin, Texas, and her mission is to get more people out and active in nature. Her love for the outdoors started at an early age, and her passion now transcends to the trails, roads, and lakes around Austin. She is really focused on that relationship between you and nature, and that's such a huge part of her work. Dr. Lucas states in her bio, When I began my transition into the world of physical therapy, I saw other physical therapists helping people to get out of pain and move better. I was inspired to do the same and do it in a way that celebrated the outdoors and healthy living. In our discussion, I wanted to know a little bit more on how to prepare for different lengths of hikes and other activities we can do to get our bodies ready for hitting the trail. She also gave some great tips on footwear and a few simple exercises to get our bodies warmed up. If you'd like to learn more about what she does, give her a visit at her website and follow her on her Facebook page, Active ATX Rehab and Wellness. You can check the description for exact links. For all of you listeners, she has three free ebooks available to download. You can learn about proper footwear, 10 tips to tackle pain, and five exercises to prepare for any hike. Click the link in the description to find more information about those as well. Please enjoy this week's episode. All right. So the first thing that I really wanted to know, I was going over your bio and you are from Oklahoma and you live in Austin now, and I'm sure you get this a lot, but if you're into college football, who do you (laughs) care for? Uh, I have to root for the Sooners, unfortunately. (laughs) That's good. And you're, and you're owning that. I think that's really, yeah, yeah. You're not hiding behind the uh, location. Okay, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I thought that was interesting. Um, I know there's a lot of, I have a lot of friends that live in the Dallas area that for whatever reason, um, cheer cheer for the Oklahoma teams too. And Really? Nice. Yeah, I, I think uh, half of them just, they live in Dallas, but work up there or commute up there. Mm-hmm. Went to school there originally and now live in Dallas, but they still give give Oklahoma some love, so um in reading your bio i know you were talking about when you were growing up your parents um were were really good i felt like about taking you out and exploring and stuff like that but so what are your, some of your fondest memories or favorite places that you visited while when you were growing up well as a kid like you said my parents always took us out on outdoor adventures we didn't have a lot of money so like Six Flags wasn't something I ever thought of doing. 
or ever felt like I missed out on because I was out doing fun things outside. But there is a small nature center that's in Oklahoma City. And I always remember my dad and my family, we would go out there and just one of those, you know, memories that's fun between a, a dad and a daughter. Whoever found the first cardinal got to ride on dad's shoulders. And so <laughs> I was always battling my brother for that top spot. And uh, recently, uh, this past year for Father's Day, I went on a hike with my dad again at that nature center. And I found a cardinal and I asked him <laughs> if I could ride on his shoulders. He told me no. That was probably <laughs> way too much. <laughs> but uh, I always liked that nature center. And uh, I still take my husband there. And it's just oh. a, a special place in my heart. And then... One of my other fondest memories is that every summer we would go to Michigan. And so swimming in Lake Michigan, going and hiking like sand dunes, there's just so much stuff up there to do. And it's a ton of fun. And I just super thankful that I got to grow up going there every summer. Absolutely. When you went back as an adult to that nature center in Oklahoma City, was it still set up the way you remembered it or had they changed some things? Yeah, it's very similar. The one thing that has changed is the like educational center that's actually on the facility grounds. Uh, they're working to improve that. But um, as a zookeeper, when I when I was doing zookeeping, um, we had some involvement with that center as well. So it was kind of cool to to come back as an adult and in a like professional manner. So. Awesome. And and since you brought it up, tell me a little bit more about getting started in that, because I think that's really interesting. <laughs> and then tell me also kind of what the transition was like from zookeeping to the physical therapy work that you're doing now. Yeah. So growing up, I always wanted to be a veterinarian. And I actually went and followed my my dog's veterinarian for a couple of days and I saw all the surgeries and things and I thought, well, that's not what I want to do. You know, I want to <laughs> hang out with the animals. So as I went into college, um, I kind of decided on going the zookeeper route. So I went to the University of Oklahoma for a zoology degree and I started volunteering while I was in college. I also worked um, as a, like a work study program at a local wildlife rescue. So I was doing both the zoo volunteering and then the, the rescue through college. And right out of college, I went and did some internships. The thing with zookeeping is that you actually have to do a lot of unpaid work and volunteer like hours before anyone will ever hire you. <laughs> so you have to have the experience to get hired, but it's hard to get experience with no one hiring you. So I kind of did some of those, and then I started working for a zoo in Springfield, Missouri, um, called Dickerson Park Zoo. It's an awesome, small, um, little town zoo, and um, great people working there. And eventually, I transitioned after a couple of years to the Oklahoma City Zoo, and so I worked there for about three and a half, four years, and I just kind of felt like a change was coming. Um, the zoo field is very hard uh, manually and as far as trying to provide for your family. And I think that just kind of eventually weighed on me a little bit, even though I loved what I was doing. And so I just decided, you know, what else am I really interested in and what do I like? And health and fitness always came up in my mind. And I had gone to physical therapy before myself and it worked really well for me. And so I decided to 
quit my job and go work in a physical therapy clinic. And then about three months later, I got into PT school and here I am today. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's funny that you said that because of the three people that I know that do physical therapy, it's because mm-hmm. they went through it and had yeah. just whatever kind of great experience. And that's how they wanted to get into it too. That's, that's mm-hmm. that too. I wonder if just you see the work that goes into it or, or just something that happened, I guess, during that experience. I mean, for you, um, that all is obviously what you're doing now. So that's, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so it seems pretty fitting that your upbringing and the zookeeping really drove the passion for the outdoors. But were there any other career paths that you were interested in at that time that you were kind of thinking about before the physical therapy? I was only looking at like other animal jobs, <laughs> to be honest. So um, I considered working as like a or wildlife, I should say. So I was looking at park ranger jobs, um, wildlife rescue jobs, things of that nature. But I ultimately decided that, you know, physical therapy could, could help other people as well. And I can still do the things that I want to do and provide for my family. And so it's just a, a great, a great profession and really promotes an active lifestyle, which I've always had, especially with zookeeping. So I think it was just a perfect fit. You're based in the Austin area and a lot of your work that you do with your clients is in uh, taking them out in the Austin area. Where are some of your favorite places in Austin to spend uh, time outside? So I really love just the neighborhood that I live in. So super blessed to have like a a wooded neighborhood where I can get out and feel like I'm in nature, which is really awesome. I didn't have that in Oklahoma. Another local place is the Slaughter Creek Trail. So it's only like five miles. And I don't know if everybody would say it's the most interesting hike, but I really enjoy it. I can get out there and I can go fast and I like the different wooded areas and then there's some open spots there but I think my favorite so far has been River Place so it, it's a good workout. Yeah that one's definitely on the list. Uh, I live close to Austin. I live just south in Kyle and Austin definitely has a good mix of parks and they're all throughout the city so it, it's really neat yes. being completely different parts of town and explore the pretty vast I mean you have water that goes through town and and then you have something like the River Place Trail that is very photogenic but also is a really good workout too so um, yeah that's awesome um, and you mentioned Michigan but what are some other places outside of Austin that you like to visit and spend outdoors spend time outdoors so my all-time favorite place to go is actually Ecuador and I try to go there (laughs) as often as possible which is not often enough but usually every like one to two years we'll go to Ecuador when I was in zookeeping um, I formed this relationship with one of the foundation wildlife foundations that the zoo worked with and we became really good friends with the the president of the the foundation, it's called Hatun Sacha, and they have biostations in each of the five ecosystems of Ecuador, very biodiverse country. 
And so when we go, you know, we're in the Andes Mountains, we're on the Galapagos Islands, you know, it's just amazing everything that you can see. And it's intense. The hikes are awesome, but. Wow. Yeah. I, that's definitely, um, there's a, there's a handful of places that I really want to visit. And those are, you know, places like that, that have that diverse kind of ecosystem are always seem like the most interesting too. So the first, I'd say the first real hike I did once this, you know, once this hobby started and once I was getting out more Mm -hmm. at Pernalis Falls State Park and you know, before I had started hiking, I was trying to run. And then I realized I'm just not a runner. I just don't like it. My knees weren't really into it. But I wasn't prepared for how my body was going to feel after what was supposed to be a five-mile hike that turned into a nine-mile hike. And just my body felt really worn out. And I thought, like, I had been running and I felt like that should have been fine, but it definitely wasn't. So what are some ways people can prep for going out on on different lengths of hikes? We can do like shorter hikes or longer hikes. Yeah, so if you have like a a harder hike in mind, I kind of like to, when I talk to clients or patients, talking about specifically in Austin. So say you want to do River Place and, you know, we know that's five miles of intense you know, elevation going up and down, your body needs to be prepared for that. Just kind of like what you're talking about. You you didn't feel quite prepared for what the, the nine mile hike that you encountered. So what I like to talk about with people is starting light. So say you're going to do a light hike that's five miles long. You know that five miles is your goal. And then you want to try something that's moderate in intensity. So for me here in the Austin area, it would be like doing Slaughter Creek Trail as your light hike. And then for moderate, you might do something like Ross or Rough Hollow Lakeside, which it has some elevation, but it's not, not crazy. And then we have our river place as our hard hike. So the way you want to do it is to progressively load your body because stress applied over time is much better than piling all that stress on at one point, right? That's when we get fatigued. That's when we feel sore for a week straight. So progressively loading your body, starting with that light hike, going to the moderate and then the high intensity. And then say, you know, your ultimate goal was actually to hike Guadalupe Peak, which is about eight and a half miles long. And so that's a little bit more than, say, the five mile hikes that you've been practicing. So then you want to try and lengthen the hike. So maybe you would do river place one and a half times or work up to two times in a row. And so that's really putting a lot of stress on your body. But by the time you hit Guadalupe Peak, man, you've got it. Like you don't have to worry. You know that your body is up for the challenge. So it's really just looking at the end goal hike or activity. It can be anything. And then thinking, how can I take baby steps towards that goal? So how would we measure our growth doing it that way? Are are we moving to the next level of trail just when we feel comfortable knocking out the earlier level and then moving to the next one? Like, how do we measure when we're ready to move on? Is it just trial and error too? Like thinking we're ready and then realizing, oh, 
I might have got up too quickly. <laughs> yeah, so I like to tell people um, to follow kind of the fit principle. Have you ever heard of that? I have. So it's basically um, following the fit principle is F-I-T-T. So frequency, intensity, time, and type So of exercise. So I like to tell people to kind of play with the frequency. So again, say we take that light hike, we can do that. You know, if we're able to do it once, great. We're not super sore afterwards. Maybe we're sore for a day or two. Then try it again in a couple of days. So it's increasing the frequency of trying that light hike before you move to the moderate hike. And then increasing the frequency of how often you try the moderate hike before you move to that high intensity hike. So you can play with any one of those time principles, type, intensity, or frequency. But I like to do frequency. I think it works well. Stay tuned for more after the break. So this is partly just a question and something that I had gotten into my head that uh-huh. for whatever reason, I didn't feel like I was being as productive when it was cold outside because I wasn't sweating as much. <laughs> I just had that in my head forever. And I didn't like to hike when it was cold. So I was like, I'm not really putting as much effort into this because I'm not breaking a sweat. And my wife was like, that's ridiculous. Like, it doesn't matter so much. I was like, well, you don't know. Anyways, what should we be measuring? What's a good metric for us to kind of just look at? Just heart rate, um, how much we're hydrating? What's a good way to just kind of measure how intense we're putting our bodies through like what kind of workout we're putting our bodies through yeah so i think you hit it on the head with heart rate that's a great one in the moment what is happening to my body so there's the max heart rate calculation that you can do Um, the basic one is 220 minus your age and then you can go for about probably 50 to 80 percent of that max heart rate would be kind of a moderate intensity And then there's also uh, a scale called the the RPE. So um, basically, that's how hard do I feel like I'm working? So you scale yourself based on 1 to 10, how hard do I feel like I'm working? Very hard would be 10. So that's one way. And it's actually pretty accurate as far as research shows that your interpretation of how hard you're working is accurate to to how hard your body is working. But I like the heart rate. That's one that you can see right in real time if you have like a a smart watch or a fit watch on. So that's a great one. And then another thing to pay attention to is just how you feel later that day. So did you, are you having a headache? Did you hydrate enough? You know, um, the next day, are you having delayed onset muscle soreness? Dom, is that lasting? all week. So really the delayed onset muscle soreness is a a big one for me um, when I'm talking to people about how hard did they push themselves. If it's lasting more than two to three days, then it was too much for your body at that point. Yeah, I've I've read some stuff about 
longer through hikes that people have that post hike kind of sadness. And, you know, I, I had told myself that that was something that you can only get when you're hiking, you know, a hundred miles or whatever, but kind of going back to that Pernella story that, that day, I just think, you know, when you're wearing your body out, it doesn't need to be something that long. I, I definitely felt kind of down that, that next day. And it was really just pushing my body and not listening to my body and not paying attention to my heart rate. So that's definitely good info to keep in mind. And especially, yeah, it's 2020. There are a lot of smart watch, smart mm-hmm. device there to make it a lot easier for people to monitor that. For someone who's, so we're at, we're at the trail, we're at the trailhead, ready to go. What do you feel is a great just kind of physical warm up that we could do to kind of get our body loose, loosened up and ready to go? What are, what are some easy things that we can do? So you want to do exercises that are going to kind of mimic the same muscles that you're going to need for your hike. So one really easy one is like body weight squats. So you can do that. You don't need any equipment. Do a couple of sets till you feel warmed up because you're going to use those quads and your hip extensors a lot while you're hiking. You can also do things like high knees. So that mimics you lifting your leg over and over again during your hikes. So that's another great one. And then one of my favorites, it's called a hamstring scoop, but basically you're doing kind of a dynamic warm-up of your hamstrings. So we want to avoid those long static stretches before hikes. But the hamstring scoop, you basically just keep one leg straight and you scoop with your hands down towards your foot and it lengthens the hamstring. But it's done in a, a quick manner that just primes the hamstring for working rather than lengthening it. Awesome. Okay. That's definitely, yeah, I mean, I, I'll i admit I have a pretty bad habit of doing a little bit of stretching kind of at the house, but not really doing anything when I get there. And and some of that, the, the knee touches when I was obsessively trying to learn how to run, I was watching a lot of YouTube videos, and that was one of the things that kind of helps you run better. And uh, <laughs> that's, def- that's one of the things that I do when I'm, when I'm at the trail. Do you have any other recommendations for hikers, maybe something like specific footwear that they can stick to or wear? So as far as footwear, you know, that's a a whole world to get into. But what I tell people is to really think about the specific hike that they're about to go on. So if you're going to be climbing a lot of elevation, then you probably want something that's lower cut because when we wear a high cut hiking boot in those situations, it's limiting your foot's ability to bend or to dorsiflex is what we call it in physical therapy. And so if you're wearing that high hiking boot, you might feel some soreness around your ankle by the end of the hike. It's going to limit your mobility. So for something like that, I definitely recommend low cut boots for people. But if you're going to go, you know, hike around water, you might want to pack water sandals. Those are super important because you don't want your hiking boots to get wet. That can be a very unfortunate long-term hike (laughs) if you have wet shoes. But I like to tell people to have the low cut boots and then also a high cut boot 
uh, as an option in their kind of shoe repertoire for hiking. So the, the high cut boot can be really great if you're somewhere where it's cold, so it's not usually Texas, but like you mentioned earlier, it does get cold here sometimes and maybe to us. So uh, wearing those thick socks and you've got your high cut boots, so a lot more warmth. And then they also add a lot more physical protection. So they do protect your foot the most of the different hiking boots and they can keep debris out and stuff like that. So I always keep a low cut and a high cut, but really it's thinking about the hike that you're about to go on specifically and then picking out the best shoe for that hike. From a physical therapy standpoint, what do you recommend hikers do if they are hiking alone and maybe accidentally have like a minor sprain or starting to feel something kind of tighten in their leg? What are some things that you recommend that we can do kind of in that moment? Non-emergency, nothing where we're needing to get a chopper to come rescue us, but something we can (laughs) there to get us to the end so if you have different style shoes with you so say you were wearing the water sandal when you got that sprain then definitely you know cease that activity let's get a more stable shoe on Um, so as far as the sprain that's a little harder to do to take care of in the moment you know i definitely recommend not pushing through that because you can't make it worse so just at that point, recognizing like, okay, I have injured myself, you know, let's call it a day. I'm going to do the responsible thing and, and turn around at this point. Uh, I know friends who are runners and they'll sprain their ankle and they'll just keep going. And, you know, you can really destroy the tissue at that point. So really just, you know, being honest with yourself. I've come far enough. It's okay that I need to turn around. That would be the biggest thing is just recognizing your limits when you do get injured and then and doing what you can in the moment and turning around. I was on, uh, there's a Facebook group. I'll give them a little plug, but there's a hiking in Texas Facebook. And somebody had posted a story about being somewhere where it was cold and windy. And the the moral of the story for him was really just reminding everyone to listen to their bodies and being honest about how they're feeling. And I think you hit that right on the head about, you know, don't don't kid yourself. If, if you're feeling hurt, then you really need to deal with that in, in a very smart way. Um, that being said, I have what I like to call, it's not an official medical term, but I like to use the term skateboard ankles uh because i fell a lot when i skateboarded in high school a long time ago and so i'm have a unique when i twist my ankle it it just they're just bendy (laughs) but it's kind of back to what you were saying i don't wear boots for that reason because i need some mobility in my feet and i found that for me personally when i wear a boot it's just keeping my legs too tight and I don't have that. My feet don't move as well when they're constrained, I feel, in a boot. So, you know, and I think everyone will respond differently. And I think it's important for people to try on each. I tell people that trail runners are just more comfortable for the Texas terrain, mm-hmm. but kind of like what you're saying, 
you know, when you're, when you're hiking on in different types of elevation or different types of terrain, it, it's, it's not going to be one for all for every situation. So right. what else can you recommend or just based off of what you do for the Austin community, what are some other things you'd like us to know about what you do? And then on top of that, how can we learn more about what you do and how we can contact you? Yeah, so just things to keep in mind, you know, when you're hiking is, again, making sure that you're up to what you're about to do physically. Um, We want hiking and outdoors to be enjoyable. You know, I I don't want anyone going and trying River Place and then feeling like a failure because they hurt themselves or, you know, they were they were sore for a week and a half later. So just, you know, preparing yourself well. And, you know, that's half the fun is getting out and doing different hikes. And often, like you said, there's so much to offer from, you know, easy hikes, paved trails to things like River Place or venturing out to even, you know, the Guadalupe Mountains National Park and doing that hike to Guadalupe Peak. So, um, you know, have a goal in mind and, and work towards it. And that's part of the fun of being outdoors and being in nature. And then, like we talked about with the dynamic warm-ups, so that's really going to get your body primed and ready for movement. And I would say to avoid static stretching before hiking. Static stretching really loosens us up and actually relaxes our muscles and lengthens them. And, you know, I just tell people reserve that for after the hike because static stretching feels great, you know yoga and all of that, that feels really good for our bodies, but to save that long stretching for after your hike and doing the dynamic warm up beforehand. And then, you know, as part of being prepared as well as just having that, that right footwear. And even if you're not wearing it to have it maybe in your, your vehicle or something where it's available if you need to switch out. So And then as far as ways to get in touch with me or to learn more about what I'm doing here in the Austin area, my website is activeatxrehab.com. And I actually have an ebook that's on that website uh, for your listeners. And it's the five exercises that I recommend for doing for any hike. So if you guys are interested in doing your own dynamic warmups before your hike, that's a great resource to get on there and do. And then I also have a footwear guide on there. So if you want to review any of the principles that we talked about today, that's an easy way to do it. And then I'm also on Facebook. Uh, you can just search for Sonia Lucas or you can search for Active ATX Rehab and Wellness. Um, awesome. And I will have all of those links and all of the descriptions too so we can find that information. I'm, I'm really stoked to check out that ebook too because I think it's going to have a lot of great information and a lot of great information that is a good refresh too if if anyone's kind of forgotten some some good best practices too. So well awesome. I, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting. I think this is gonna help a lot of people feel a little bit more confident about getting out there on the trails and kind of like what I was saying, a good kind of rehash for people that may have been going out for a while now and just some additional things they can do to prep for getting out on the trails. Do you have any hikes coming up soon? Um, I'm actually going on the 9th of September to hike Pikes Peak in Colorado. So 
That's my next big one. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Have you been there before? I've been to Colorado and done some different hikes, but never Pikes Peak. So it'll be my first 14er. So I'm excited. Wow, that's awesome. That's really exciting. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing the videos or photos you have from that. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Texas Trailhead Podcast. If you like what you heard, please let me know by leaving feedback on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. You can also support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. You can find this on anchor.fm and just search the Texas Trailhead. Still looking for more? Click the links below to find the website, Facebook page, and see pictures from the outdoors on my Instagram page. So until next time, grab your backpack, put on your hiking shoes, and let's go out on another adventure. This is the Texas Trailhead.